Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. Welcome to episode number 108 with Ewan McIntosh. Now, today we're going to talk about change thinking, change learning, and change of working. And obviously, Ewan is the creator, founder, and CEO of No Tosh. So we're going to talk about his early years. He's got a great backstory. And then we're going to talk about the previous nine years where he's taken No Tosh from a single run person business to this global empire doing amazing things with corporations, businesses, Famous people, you name it, he's doing is making a powerful impact on the world. And the knowledge, wisdom, and just everything he's going to share with you today is going to be inspirational and we can use by parents, kids, teachers, professionals, coaches, everybody. So I'm sure if you take notes, you and he's got so many words of wisdom that you'll be able to implement into whatever you're doing. So sit back, relax. This is episode 108. Episode number 108 with you and Macintosh. How are you, buddy? I'm very well. Cold, but very well. <laughs> yeah, now we're, we're on complete uh, opposite sides of the world. We're just talking about, uh, you know, lack of sunlight there, and at the moment we've got ample. So yeah. um, how do you handle this time of year, mate? Um, my wife laughs because quite often I'll... Um, ensure that I've got trips to somewhere warm like Hong Kong just for a couple of <laughs> days uh, but otherwise uh, yeah sport actually um, swimming so I try to swim almost every other afternoon I don't always manage it and um, when you're working at a desk it, it's quite hard to, I hate working at desks I like to be out with yeah. people in schools or in companies um, and when I'm with them um, when you've been on the road for 10 weeks you're thinking oh, I'd love to have a week two weeks at my desk and I manage about three days before the frustration kicks in. So getting out, um, my family eats incredibly well when I'm working at home because I tend to cook in the late afternoon as well. Um, yeah. You just have to you, know, you have to do do stuff that's not just work, which is hard when there's lots of it and lots of work to do and that kind of uh, guilt that most educators, I think, have when you're not working uh, because you're, you're so used to it. Uh, overcoming that yeah. and just getting on with it. I think uh, I think that's great. I, I agree that uh, if I'm not working, I feel like I'm letting someone down or I'm letting myself down. I could be doing more. But as you said, exercise, looking after yourself, eating healthy is really important. Now, you know, we're going to get into no Tosh because you're doing amazing things. But you, I'm really fascinated with your life, your story before that all come about. So do you want to just paint a picture because you've been a TV presenter, you've been an educator, you've done all these amazing things. Do you want to just give us a little painted picture of uh, everything before No Tosh come about? I'll do it as briefly as possible because it's, it's so <laughs> old. Um, I left uh, Edinburgh University with a degree in European law and languages, which... Um, these days in Britain is probably one of the most useless uh, degrees you could have um, but um, left not wanting to be a lawyer so when I was um, I, I ended up with a, a kind of language assistant job at a university in France 12 hours a week working with just enough money to get you by um, met a girl who's now my wife um, and meeting that girl stopped me going into the career that um, I had planned on Everyone in my family is teachers. Um, every one of them is a teacher. So um, the, I, the last thing I wanted to do was become a teacher. And so I spent a year getting fit. I used to run 10 kilometers every morning and do the weights. And uh, why? Because I wanted to become an army officer. And uh, 
the the testing for that the Royal Commissioning Board was about two months after I met this girl and of course you meet someone that you like you stop doing the runs every morning uh, <laughs> you're slightly less diligent and all that and in the end um, every interview I had in the army they kept saying oh you, you sure you don't want to join the education training corps you'd be a wonderful teacher and so the 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 draw back to Scotland came because of um, uh, at the time the professionalisation of the profession um, it involved a pay rise, it involved treating thing, treating teachers in the same way as we treat lawyers and um, uh, advocates and, 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 and medical staff, you know, as a profession, not as a job. And that appealed to me. And so many people had said I should become a teacher and I thought maybe maybe I'm good at it and, and maybe I should. When I came back to Glasgow to do teacher training, taught for um, a few years really, only taught for about uh, four years um, through in, in Glasgow and in the east coast of Scotland, using technology in, to engage some really tough uh, students. I've taught in some very tough schools and in what you would call a genuinely comprehensive school, everything, uh, the whole gamut. And I loved it. I loved the banter of 13, 14 and 15 year olds who don't really want to learn French or German, uh, but do <laughs> once you find the hook. And that was spotted um, by folk in the government who uh, were trying to work out a way to engage teachers and students in technology nationwide. And so I became uh, the national advisor on learning and technology futures. And we did some great work in East Lothian, which was my stomping ground, helped to pretty much transform the approach to teachers sharing what they do. At that time, we created uh, Teach Me in our local pub in Edinburgh, and um, that was all part of that 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 movement of trying to get teachers to share with other teachers because we had observed that when teachers shared with other teachers, the general practice improved. And yet, as a secondary school teacher, it's a really lonely job. Primary school teachers were sharing better because they taught together, but uh, in secondary school, not so much. So we took that, that region from probably a dozen teachers sharing with any regularity through digital media like blogs up to about 1,500 uh, teachers. And uh, that's most of the teachers in the local authority, in fact, in the, the, the district. Um, the final year of that job was really tough because every piece of advice that I was being paid a salary to provide was being ignored at the time. There were too many interests, self-interests in the... Uh, in um, old ways of doing things, closed down technologies, this national intranet, which was going to uh, provide a safe learning environment for students, but I saw it as providing a, a closed learning environment for students. Um, at a time, you can picture in 2008, it's the time when everyone's going public and going large and going open. And I was, I, my ambition was that students should learn how to survive in that open technology environment because that's what they would be dealing with very, you know, in their home lives afterwards. I still think I was right, but at the time everyone thought I was wrong. So I left, uh, and I didn't just leave the government, I left education. I was really um, quite angry and, and uh, annoyed at how slow and laggard-like this industry was, having thought that it would be a place full of uh, youth and excitement. So I went off to Channel 4 television um, on a fluke. I, I, I ended up having a cup of tea in an office where someone said, why did you not apply for that job? And 24 hours later, I was digital commissioner for Channel 4, which is an investor, <laughs> <laughs> an investor in, in mobile apps, uh, web apps, video games, to 
support the television output of the channel, public service broadcasters in the UK. And so um, I did that for uh, nearly two years on a commission, so uh, on, a, on, a, on a fixed contract. A brilliant place to work because they give you a fixed contract so that you can live their mission to the full, which was do it first, inspire change and make trouble. And it's really hard to make trouble if you're worried about losing your job. So uh, <laughs> they, they, they make you lose your job at the end of your commission so that you produce dangerous ideas. And at the end of that period, um, working in London, Belfast, Glasgow, Newcastle in the UK, I set up um, Notosh uh, in the Christmas of 2009. So uh, nine years ago, wondering how do I take the creative processes that I've benefited from learning about with um, uh, with this TV company and help schools understand how it could benefit them. Um, and the first year of Notosh was actually incredibly hard going because no one, you don't have to spend long outside education before you are a former teacher. It's funny how if you're a teacher teaching every day, you're a teacher. If you're a teacher who's not taught a class in the past week, you're an ex-teacher. Um, and so for that first year, um, most of the work that, that, that our company was doing, and that was at that point just me, was in the creative industries world, startups. We launched the first tech incubator outside the United States in the northeast of England uh, called the Difference Engine that, that created um, 10 new companies every time it ran over three months and seven out of 10 of those companies got forward investment which is an astonishing success rate in a business wow, where normally it's, it's 1% and we were getting closer to 70 um, that be, that evolved over time uh, with the, the chap who had founded it John Bradford spinning it out into Techstars London but Notosh was a, a key part of the programme of uh, content and, and learning for those tech entrepreneurs on how to set up that incubator model is something that we've pioneered since in Notosh in the education world in the, in the United States in 2013, 2014, 2015 um, and uh, now in Australia we run uh, incubators in Victoria and in Western Australia for the independent schools. Um, we would love to do more with state schools but um, that's something that it, it takes a lot more time to navigate and uh, we're still learning how to navigate those um, department lines and how to provide such, I mean, frankly, inspirational and impactful programmes to hardworking teachers in the state sector, which is still where my passion lies. Yeah, because, and, and I, I find myself that uh, a couple of things there, when you do leave the teaching profession, that uh, you sort of leave that, that mould, that day-to-day -day routine, that life, and people look at you differently. So um, that's interesting to say that it took took a year or two to basically sort of make the Notosh branding sort of stick out and the results sort of spoke for themselves. So obviously now you're all over the world and um, doing amazing things. What What's the hardest thing with being in so many different countries and obviously being the CEO and founder, what do you find the hardest? Um, I find the hardest thing managing people, and I'm sure there'll be um, heads of department and heads of school um chuckling when I say that I'm not the best at managing teams and I know that and thankfully I've got a great team who um, self-manage incredibly well and who um, manage each other and I've also got a great support team here based in Edinburgh who also support um, team members in, in various parts of their job I think that um, the hardest thing of managing people is not that I'm 
it's not that I'm bad at human relations. It's that we work across so many time zones that yeah. um, you cannot have a team meeting where someone's not tired. And it's just a fact yeah. of life. Um, our team are massively resilient in doing that. And, um, you know, the you, you said that the results speak for themselves. The thing that... Um, that that when we undertake work, it is never one person doing it, and so although I find myself um, as the kind of chief advocate of of what we do and and um, sharing the stories with a lot of people and undertaking key projects here in Europe um, and a little bit in Hong Kong as well, um, that that frankly that I've got a team that are delivering massive impact in schools every day in New York, Toronto, Adelaide, Melbourne. Um, and here in Edinburgh um, and London, so there's these teams are very much getting on with it and and doing it, um, doing their work with with the Notosh tools, our way of working, and creating the same kind of impact um, in a, a consistent way, and that's all I can ask for. For me, it makes it quite easy then to travel around the world because. Um, I know that I'm not having to firefight a project on the other side of the planet. I can uh, the, the projects that I'm taking um, a lead on, I'm looking after. And having that focus every time you're with a client and just being present with them, being present with a school. And schools are massively complex places, but corporations, even more so. So if we're working with a corporation like uh, ThyssenKrupp in Germany. There's 165,000 employees there. And we're wow. trying to create... The, and, and sustain their approach to innovation and, and how they develop new products. And you can't do that uh, particularly effectively if you're worried about how a primary school in Perth, uh, Western Australia, or Perth, Scotland, is getting on with the project. So teaming and having great teams are really the, the, key, the key thing that stops travelling around, being busy, and doing this kind of really intense work, stops it being impossible. Yeah, well, I think it, it really allows you to sit back and do the things you love and be, as you said, because being present, I think, is one of the hardest things these days with so many distractions, particularly when you've got things going on in Perth, Glasgow, uh, Hong Kong, London, all these places, to be present must be a really hard thing. How do you keep your mind? Is there, is there daily routines you do, you know, or is there things that you work on, like I know, I've taken up meditation this year. It's been really big for me. But to be present and stay on top of your game, I know you said you swim. Is there other things? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that it really depends on your team because you, if someone in your team is off their game, then it adds an inordinate amount of time to your day. It's funny how if you get if you do the job right, then um, a 30-minute meeting with someone should lead to an hour, at least an hour's worth of action for each of you. So half an hour leading to two hours, um, that's when the meeting goes well. If someone's not done their job um, or if something's just gone, not gone right, something's gone wrong, it, takes, it can take a, a, effectively take a day of people's time to sort that out. And so the key thing is getting it right every time, first time. And um, right doesn't mean correct. Right means right by the team that you're with. So sometimes that means doing what the, your school or the organisation you're working with thinks might be wrong, but having the the courage and the planning and the experience to say, well, actually, no, let's just explore this for a little bit because I think it might be right for you and making sure that we do less but do it much better. And so the, mm-hmm. um, yeah, doing, choosing, a lot of what we do is choosing the right process 
in the first place. So we have a lot of process to keep on top of things. Uh, routines that we use, everyone in our team has an, an electronic uh, to-do list, for want of a better word. Uh, we call it a workflow. It shows what they're working on today, what they have to complete this week, uh, what they have completed this week, um, what's sitting there in the in the roster ready to be undertaken in the subsequent weeks. And everyone can see everyone else's work. So when you're asking someone to do something, um, it shouldn't, most of the time it's not reactive. Sometimes it is, but most of the time it's not reactive. Most of the time it's part of a planned approach to collaborating on a project. And ideally it always happens at the beginning of a project. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm undertaking a design at the moment on an event in Brussels this, this coming February. And so in the planning for that, um, we've I've got three other colleagues who are going to be working with me this afternoon uh, to finesse what we've done already. It's in the diary. We know it's going to happen. It's not adding to people's workflow. Um, it's something they've been able to plan in. And being in control of your time is the probably the most important part of our work so that we can do the best job we are doing. We are very aware that the people we work with in schools in particular it's the thing they have least control over is their time. Thanks time. to timetabling. Yeah. It's not that they don't have the same amount of time we do. It's just that they have no control over it. They're told where yeah. they have to be at a certain time. That's a killer for creative work. And you need to be able to plan in times where no interruptions are going to happen. And you need to be able to plan in the collaborative time that you think you need to bring the right people in at the right time and the, on the, the game that you're playing. Um, and school systems that rely on that traditional timetable generally screw that up for people and that's a that's there's not, not much we can do about that um other than overhaul our idea around timetabling and so in uh, uh, the uh, international school of beijing for example i just had an email this morning from a, a middle school teacher who's part of a design team we set up they're rethinking the mission of the school and some of its values and how how to express that in a more concrete, less jargony way. And um, he was saying, you know, before you, you come over in February for a visit, I've got um, this week where we suspend timetable and students can are going to undertake a deep investigation into something. And so innovations like that, giving teachers uh, a chunk of time on a regular basis where they can really dive deep with their students is something that will inspire massive creativity because it's planned. But constant interruptions, little slithers of time which are not deep enough to get into anything. It, it doesn't help us. I can't imagine, I can't imagine it helps um, uh, folk who are, are trying to do creative work in school. Yeah, and I, I think exactly what you said. So with your team, I suppose having that workflow, it comes back to a little bit of accountability as well and that yeah. um, by seeing that, that everybody else knows. But then again, in a school setting, uh, it's so time-strict and, you know, it's so planned out that I suppose a little bit of different there. And is it all about finding that middle ground, you know, whereas uh, I and I always think about this as well because when students leave school, there's no time restriction. So there's yeah. no one telling them what to do. So by having bells, whistles, everything, telling them what to do this time, that, we're really sort of not really seeing up to people lifelong learners, are we? No, and it, it's it's funny because in offices, don't, don't, don't think that – I don't think that kids leave school – and then don't have any of those constraints. Many will leave school and head into office jobs, or they will work in 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 offices. They'll be up in on Collins Street, um, somewhere, and um, 
offices have contrived to offer similar timetables. So there's no mistake that when you put a meeting appointment into your Outlook, it defaults to one hour. Um, you'll find that many people, when you look at their business diary, it defaults to a school timetable. So they don't look too different and they don't have control of their time. And a lot of our executive coaching in business is spent trying to help executives crack out of that bad habit. And um, in our own company, uh, I mean, you you put in an appointment today for an hour. That's quite exceptional. In our own company, we have a rule of no meeting should ever last longer than 30 minutes. Um, because frankly if you cut to the point and tell people what you're wanting out of something you don't need longer than 30 minutes and in the International School of Luxembourg we had the the leadership team had been undertaking kind of irregular meetings every couple of weeks for two, two and a half hours to get through all their business and we said flip that out and just do 30 minutes a week stand up and leave your mobile phones back in your offices and see what happens and they're achieving everything they had achieved uh, or more but instead of two hours every two and a half hours every two weeks, it's taking half an hour every week. And they have more touch points. They can help each other out more. And I think that um, collaboration time for teachers is something that's also hard for them to get. It's the principal hurdle when we're working with a school to creating any form of change is discovering how in, in some countries in particular with very strict labour laws, um, Austria, Italy, Um, they they spring to mind uh, Germany too Um, when you have uh, 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 when you realise that at the end of the year you may only have four hours where you can ask staff to do something well you're not going to achieve a lot of change and so you have to go about changing the timetable and the way you ask people to organise their time the way we do it all of our staff we we have no offices we have no physical offices so all of our staff work in their homes or out with um, schools and out with private customers as well. That means you've got to be super organised. And so we, um, you know, squaring off your routines is really important. Uh, Part of that is the very visible workflow and we keep each other in check. So I will not hesitate to chap on a digital door of a colleague and say, you know, you've not updated your workflow in two days, which means either you've not done anything or the task that's at the top of that to-do list needs broken down so it's a bit more manageable. And so we use it as a way to help people work more effectively and efficiently. But there's also a whole bunch of attitudes that need to be um, expressed and reminded. Schools call these school values, and normally they're, yeah. they're useless twaddle because they're they're talking about, you know, we've got to respect each other and we've got to... Uh, or what are some of the other ones? The... It's teamwork, collaboration. There's all these things, and yeah. I look at it because I go into a lot of schools as well. And you look at it, and it's it's so broad, and it doesn't really make sense, or it's a big paragraph that no one can really understand Absolutely. anyway. So, so the opposite, it. the opposite of it would be psychopathy, you know. And and so you kind of, yeah. you, we always we spend a, we've actually most of our work in Europe at the moment is helping schools with their language and helping them to come up with concrete, jargon-free, simple language so a five-year-old understands what they're meant to do in a school. And in our own team, we, we've um, borrowed and begged, borrowed and stolen from different places to um, begin rethinking uh, the expectations we have of our own team and how we communicate. So some of the, um, we, there's a, a brilliant uh, staff manual from the advertising firm, uh, Crispin, Porter and Bogowski. And uh, in it, they have this paragraph. It says, we ask that you don't. And... Uh, the things that they ask you not to do, you know, don't act like a jerk, uh, don't throw sand, <laughs> don't be selfish, don't disparage others, 
uh, don't talk in, and, and we've added a few so don't talk in jargon don't talk at people without listening to them first don't duck your responsibilities leave others hanging don't do someone else's job for them don't talk about the great stuff you will do just do great stuff that one really bugs me is when people uh, I love that one vague I, I, call the, I call them gunners I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do that that's it they yeah. actually do it they're a gunner uh, and Facebook's full of it um, Instagram's even worse I think you know we're gonna we've, we've just and, and the vague booking of we're gonna do an amazing project with, with an amazing human and it's oh, come on just tell us about great stuff tell us about impact you've achieved because doing it forces you to then think, well, what would success look like in this project if I was doing it? How do I know I've done a good job? We say, you know, don't play the busy card. Don't stay quiet. Don't disappear. And don't say it can't be done. And then there are some things that we ask people to do. So do assume that your colleagues have the best intentions at heart. You know, we, um, what our attitude, no tosh is no nonsense. So our attitude is generally quite provocative, but supportive. So we'll tell people where they're off, off the mark but do our best to give them some ideas as how to get back on the mark. Um, do talk about life and not just work, um, especially when you're working alone a lot of the time. And a secondary school teacher is as alone, I think, in their job um, as uh, um, one of our team uh, travelling across the country to go and do, do a project with someone. So it's important to talk about what you're up to, not just about work, but talk about how you're getting on with things. And to do that, we use um, internal chat systems like Slack. So um, yeah, Slack's fantastic, isn't it? Beautiful. And I think if people aren't listening, in schools, anybody, um, Slack's a great, great collaborative tool because not only can you chat, but you can share documents. It's all on there. Um, it's such a powerful tool. And so many businesses use it these days. I know, I know schools are starting to use it as well. You probably see a little bit of that as well. You know? A couple. It tends to start with the, the tech department um, rather than saying, you know, we're going to do this as a whole school thing. Um, we find that it, there's a little bit of a, a geek hurdle for people to get over to use it sometimes. One thing that yeah. we are um, uh, on the verge of launching, though, and it will, it will launch in the next uh, week or so, is a Slack uh, community for all of our current clients. And anyone who isn't a current client but would love to be able to take advantage of some of the discussions going on between our clients and, between, and with us sharing content, um, can be part of that as well. They can request a, an access to it. And it means that the reason we created it was because so many of uh, the school leaders that I'm working with are all asking me the same kinds of questions and they're all getting the same answer from me, but they would be far smarter if they connected together. And so this is a, um, you'll be able to find it on the notosh.com website um, or by Googling for it, uh, the Notosh Slack. And uh, you'll find, I think, that it's a, a way for people to connect with folk like them, um, which are not always the people in your school. And initially, it's useful to have that provocation and support from outside your school if you want to try and create something new. But these tools and the attitudes that come with them, the, the approach in your voice, uh, the tone of voice, is so important for working in a team. If you don't define your tone of voice, um, then it's really hard for people to understand uh, what they're meant to do and how they're meant to approach problems, especially when they come up against them at work. 
Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I, I think that's there's always pros and cons to social media and things like that because people can't pick that up unless you're very clear with it. But um, on a whole, I know uh, I've learned so much from so many educators through Twitter, now obviously Instagram, Facebook, but also Slack is a great way to have sort of private conversations um, and create networks and groups with other leaders and individuals around the world. So if you're not using that, I would highly recommend, and I will have in the show notes links to uh, the Notosh website, so you can go and check that out. Now, I want to just go back a little bit to 2009 when um, you were just starting out, you and you were by yourself, and um, I'm really interested to hear um, that first couple of years, what do you think, if you could point it down to two or three things that really you did better than anyone or that really set you apart, Um, I don't know if you can do that, but just because I know so many people out there want to start something, but uh, that first year or two, and I know um, I've only been running energy education for a couple of years, and it, it may look good on what you put on social media and all the wonderful things you're doing, but deep down it's hard work and it's not always easy. So what yeah. set you about? Because now you're all over the world, and for people looking on nine years on, you are crushing it. You're doing amazing things. But as you said, it didn't start that way. So is there an easy way to, I don't know, give some people some advice or what worked for you? Well, first of all, it's very kind. Thank you very much. And and it's it's right. bloody hard work. <laughs> um, yeah, I it think- is. Yep. I think that um, there are a couple of things going on. The first thing is is knowing, uh, this is going to sound really daft, knowing what you are and knowing what you do. So on our staff manual, the first thing that you will read after the welcome is uh, we are not consultants. And most people, when they think of consulting, they think of expensive fees in time for, in exchange for time, for clock-watching people, uh, shiny suits, gurus, and the same keynote talk that they've heard before. And when uh, we think it's our job is to do anything that makes our clients famous for being the best in their field, that's our job. So our principal job is make our clients famous for being the best at what they do. And to do that, we help them find opportunities. We help them find problems. And we coined this phrase problem finders, which has been um, popular because I think it's, it's actually much easier to come up with creative ideas to solve problems than it is to come up with creative ideas to take advantage of opportunities that are already there. Um, And sometimes we might have to make the idea happen ourselves, so we've created ideas ourselves too, massively creative people in the team, and we always have had massively creative people in the team. Um, From the start, the the first thing that that was super important was... um, this realisation, we're not consultants. And I resisted using the C word at all in the way that we I described what I did. And then as the team grew, um, initially we had Tom Barrett and Peter Ford based in the UK. Um, we added to the team with uh, Hamish Curry and David Bill. Now, those startup days were actually very different, I think, from the kind of company we are today. They had to be. It was a much smaller team. It was more like a, it did feel like a family run business in a way. Um, but it falls apart if fa- all family businesses fall apart the minute you um, have different views of, of where a company or where an organization should go and so um, I think that the you know the the big change really is about five years in um, I undertook a massive overhaul I actually asked uh, David our colleague over in San Francisco at the time to interview every member of staff and undertake the same process we use with schools when we're doing their strategy and talk to everyone about what frustrated them, what worked well, what didn't work well. And out the back of that, um, 
I, we we came up with a plan, a plan that involved uh, recruiting different types of people to the team, um, moving away from being a bunch of white men, um, talking about stuff that, frankly, a mostly female audience should be doing. And uh, instead, um, it was really important for me to have a, a totally gender equal company, which is what we have today. Um, and massively open in terms of the opportunities to people inside the company. Um, the second big, so first thing, we're not consultants. <laughs> the second thing that was important yep. was, um, you know, when you're making your customers famous for what they do, that also means you work with some pretty famous customers. So we have always had a mix of, of your primary school down the road that is wanting to be different from everyone else. Or And next week I'm working with uh, Calder Glen High School in Glasgow, um, just outside Glasgow in East Kilbride and um, this is a school that arguably you could say is like any other Scottish high school but they really want to be uh, different in the way that they approach who they are and where they're headed as a school and so they're, we're helping them develop a brand new kind of strategy um, that, that will transform the way the school operates and solicits ideas from its community um, Doing that means that in Scotland they will be absolutely the best at their game. When it comes to strategy, no one will beat this school. Why? Because we are investing so much time and effort and energy in making sure that they don't just end up with a document that sits on a shelf, but they end up with a completely changed approach to the way young people in school take action. Um, the 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 We've also worked with famous customers, so our customers are... Uh, Folk, early on we were working with uh, our first client was the BBC um, doing a lot of the um, redesign uh, concepts that ended up being in the new uh, BBC website we've um, been uh, we've worked with Burberry over three and a half years um, we work with, we've worked with Lego for um, about three and a half years as well four years we work with ThyssenKrupp for the last four years uh, ThyssenKrupp are probably one of the world's biggest engineering firms um, we've we do that work on the one hand, and we're working as well with uh, with local primary schools. The whole mix is is what's important, and that's crucial, I think, as well to to growth and being able to create impact. We don't sell our apples to ASDA, or we don't sell um, uh, ASDA's a big supermarket here. But yeah, I know. Yeah, I remember going there back in the day, yeah. two thousand and ten. So we often <laughs> say, you know, it was uh, uh, my colleague Peter Ford who. Uh, since since working for us got poached by Apple and is uh, uh, doing a fantastic job running um, their uh, distinguished educator program across Middle East, Asia, Europe. Uh, but he you know he had said you know the nice thing is we don't sell apples to Asda. It means that when Asda say we don't want your apples anymore, uh, normally you'd be screwed. Um, in our case, we can be pretty honest with our customers, no matter how big they are. Because uh, we know that that um, it's not going to hurt us if if they say that we don't let your advice, we're going to let you go, and um, likewise, we're not afraid to fire our clients if they don't play the game, and playing the game means giving their all and giving their best to the process. And so, I've only had to do it twice, but we fired two clients because they didn't get it, and both of them have since hired us back uh, years later because they they've they've realize the impact that they that they could have if they undertook things in a different way and then i think a, a third really important point is we want to do we want to make our customers famous um and that that's not meant to sound facile and and, and daft it's meant to 
It's meant to say that actually the work that you produce will mean people will travel the world to see what you've done. So we've had a hand to play in some schools where people really do fly around the world to see what's going on. Nanjing International School in China, uh, Collegi Montserrat, run by the amazing nuns in, in Barcelona, um, or uh, St Mel's Primary School in Sydney. Um, these are schools that we have had long relationships with and uh, massive influence from our practice over what they've, they've gone on and done. Um, and they, they've, they've reaped the benefits of that in terms of um, having much more confidence in their journey and being able to, to carry on developing what they've done and also lots of people coming to tell them that the impact that they've had is significant. Uh, to do that on our team, it means that, that we also have a, a, a really important rule um, today around how we hire, and it's that we, we don't have any room for genius jerks. And in <laughs> the consulting world is full of them. Um, it, in, in fact, I'd say it attracts them. There's a massive number of genius jerks, super smart people, who do no doubt great work, but they are intent on being as famous or more famous than their customers, and that's wrong. Um, so, yeah. you know, in our team, no one, um, if they if they want to, if a client wants to see one face for the whole project, then we will send them to the competition and waste their time. Uh, when people work with us, they're getting a whole team. They don't get one face. They don't get one experience. They don't get one set of expertise. They don't get one ego they get um, a whole host of people challenging, provoking what they're doing. And that means that we have a, a repeat rate on our work, which is enviable. Over 90% of our clients repeat year on year with us. And that's also something that's important if you're trying to grow the impact that your ideas can have. Whether you are a classroom teacher in a school or doing what we are trying to do, you need people to not only sign up to the original idea, but keep going and keep um, amplifying their their work and your work. And if you're a teacher in a school, that means never just carry on with an innovation in your classroom. You've got to find allies in your school, not just outside the doors. It's easier to do that on Twitter. It's much harder to actually go and have a coffee with someone in your school and bring them on board with your idea. Yeah. Um, and that's that's absolutely key if you want to spread ideas. You've got to do it with other people. You cannot go it alone. Mm, I, I love those three ideas. And so just to summarise what I've got, so making making the right choice with staff, making through valued, getting yeah. an equal workforce and where you all work together, it's not all about ego. Absolutely. I love the idea that uh, you're not putting all your eggs in your in the one basket, you know, so if that goes bust, um, then you, you've got nothing left. And, and that, that, means we can, that means always, we can be honest as well. And that's the really important reason yeah. for that one, yeah. Yeah, and I, I love that as well because if you're always doing the one thing, you're not going to learn from others. So you're dealing with a big corporation. They could teach you something, whereas then you go to a primary school and they'll teach you something completely different. Absolutely. So you're staying rounded, you're getting different ideas. I love that. And and then the last one as well is um, don't be afraid to make changes or be vulnerable and put yourself out there and particularly collaborate with an idea even if you think it's not right. So people listening, they can be adapted in the workforce as a sports coach, parents, teachers, anybody. They're yeah. three valuable rules there so i love that you now i've got a couple of questions i'd love to ask my guests before okay. we finish up um looking back 18 year old you and back in the day yeah. if you could give yourself one bit of advice that you've learned from everything you've done what would that one bit of advice be now um uh, do do what you think's right the first time and don't wait for other people to tell you it's right i i, 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 I was nearly a wine making millionaire and and 
um, and wasn't because I didn't have the courage to see it through. I set up a website that sold wine, and this is before you could buy wine online. And um, I so bought. Is this like Gary Gary Vanderchuk? <laughs> uh, maybe it was it was too early though, and and so I I created a a website that advertised really good Rioja. Uh, that I'd bought cases of and stored in my my student digs, um, and then they, I went away to live in France for the year. And when I came back, Rioja had had a terrible year, and so this wine was worth a fortune. So I set up a website to sell it, um, sold it, made made good profit on it, but then didn't take the website further because I thought, well, I don't know enough about about all this to do it. And of course, what I should have done is, uh, you know, abandon the degree, go back to it later, um, and build <laughs> build the wine company. Uh, um, and then about a year later, Lathwaite's and then Richard Branson came out with Virgin Wines, and it was all too late. <laughs> so, do you think the advice would be is just back yourself in, don't wait, and don't worry about what other people think? If Absolutely. You put everything into it, and give it a go. Then it's always going to succeed. Hopefully. Absolutely. Other people's opinion is over overvalued. Sometimes don't care too much about what other people think. Um, if enough people are telling you it's crap, then do listen. But otherwise, carry on and uh, <laughs> keep going until it fails. <laughs> I uh, I really like that. That's really good. So, what what are you most proud about about everything you've done so far? If you could look back and you know, if you just had to write down one thing that you're extremely proud about, the impact you're having, the lives you're changing, people you're making famous, and just everything you're doing, and what what would be that one proud thing that you could put up there? The most proud work thing I think is um, having created um, formats for people to get together having created ideas that people gather around that genuinely have changed the lives of um, hundreds of thousands maybe millions of young people um, I think and, and I've not created any of these on my own but uh, things like Teach Meet uh, things like the idea of problem finding um, rather than just kids problem solving the idea of design thinking being a useful tool for curriculum design um, the idea that you can uh, give students the, a level of control as long as you use the same kind of creative tools that the creative industries have used for the last 60 years. On the professional side, it's it's quite a lot of small things that have had a big impact that I'm really proud of. On the personal side, it's um, being able to offer, I think, a, a future for my kids, which is very different from what I could have imagined as my 18-year-old self. Um, and all of it, feeling slightly uh, unplanned and, and un, uh, unsolicited but um, yeah there's an advantage to uh, when, you know, good ideas breed um, breed more good ideas and um, the t- I've, I've had plenty of expensive failures as well where you've know, lost a lot of a lot of money trying to do something new and it hasn't quite worked out but by and large things have worked out and I think that that's uh, on a personal level um that's an obvious upside and it's the upside to taking a risk that not everyone takes and th- on a personal level that that's uh, that feels like a job well done and one of the rare moments I might pat myself on the back. Yeah, and I, I think uh, exactly what you just said there, failure, I call it fertiliser and I, I don't know if I heard that with <laughs> someone else said, the more fertiliser you're having there, eventually something will grow and if you back yourself in, that'll keep going. So yeah. I just want to acknowledge you, you and Fer, um, I've followed your work for a few years now and um, there's people like you that have made me want to strive and push myself to do something different. So just know that you are having a, a big impact. And if people are listening, you can tell that it wasn't easy going. And, you know, nine years ago, you would never thought you were 
you, but because you had a go and you put everything into it and you believe in what you do, um, we're now talking here and you're impacting millions of people around the world. So, mate, huge congratulations. And um, I just want you to know that you are having a powerful impact on other people around the world. That um, makes my day um, very early on in my day as well, which is lovely. Thank you so much. <laughs> I would say to anyone thinking of, um, you know, especially teachers listening to this, but also mums, dads, and folk who listen to the podcast for you know to maybe help them dig out of a pit sometimes that they're in. Um, I would the piece of advice I would have given myself as an eighteen-year-old is exactly the same one. I would leave people with here that um, there are so many stories that you can read of how people go about their work. Um, the th- it took me a while to work out that you can't copy what other people do and have it work for you. You have to kind of work it out for yourself. And what works for you yeah. doesn't necessarily work for the people in your team. You speak to anyone in my team, they'll tell you how annoying I am uh, with certain <laughs> things that I, I want done in the way I want it done. But um, it, it's uh, because it doesn't go right all the time is what makes the good moments really good. And that kind of uh, resilience is what I think we try to teach our young people each and every day. Sometimes I think as adults we shy away from the the kinds of opportunities and challenges that would test our resilience. So I would encourage people the next time one comes up, instead of giving up on it and going to have a Barbie outside and a glass of beer, um, take on the challenge and see what happens. The worst that can happen, as you say, is you end up with a bit more fertilizer to... For your, for your next idea but you never know you might end up with something that um, that sparks other people's imaginations as much as it does yours thank you for the invitation to yeah, your podcast as well yeah my pleasure mate and, and for people listening I'll have links in the show notes for No Tosh um, we can go and obviously check out all the amazing things you're doing I'm sure schools parents will want to listen more get on that Slack group and uh, yeah once again thank you so much for your time mate I know I've gained so much from chatting to you and I've, I've wanted to do this for a while so thank you for giving up your time it's uh, yeah very generous of you buddy that's a pleasure thank you thank you